Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Food Integrity, Thriving Like a Guru. I'm Carol Gerbay, one of the hosts of this new podcast series. And I'm Dr. Rosie Kuhn. I'm the other host of this podcast series, Beyond Food Integrity, Thriving Like a Guru. Our intention is to support and empower you to, to thrive in your life. Carol's background in food integrity and education and mine in terms of transformational coaching, we hope to bring you a blended perspective on how to thrive. And just to let all my listeners know, I will still be hosting Food Integrity Now, interviewing great guests and experts to keep you up to date on the latest information regarding your health and wellness. We hope you really enjoy this new podcast series. Thanks for being here. Hi, Rosie. Hi, Carol. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, People can't see, but you have a new picture on the back of your wall. Oh, I do. Yep. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I like my color. Beautiful. Thank it's, you. There are boats on the back for those of you who can't see, which is most of you. <laughs> well, I, I'm happy to be here with you again to have another interesting conversation. And an issue I would like to talk about today is uh, our brains. Okay. And we live in a world where, you know, my mother's in a assisted living type place and talking about nearly all of her friends getting Alzheimer's or dementia. And and my mom's cognitive issues have declined greatly. And I just think it's important to know that we don't have to, to get Alzheimer's. It's one of those things that, you know, people go, oh, well, I'm getting old. I'm probably going to lose my memory. And I think there are some things that we can do that can help prevent that. Yep. I totally agree. So I know just from a physical standpoint, to have a really healthy brain, you need to stay hydrated. Yes. Get good sleep. And eat a lot of healthy fats. And maybe people don't know that, but uh, the brain is about 60% fat and it needs fat. So all those good healthy fats like avocados and olive oil and, you know, salmon and, and things like that can really assist your brain. I think when... I don't know if you remember in the 80s, Rosie, when all that low-fat diet stuff came out. That did more damage to our brain because people were doing no-fat diets. And the brain needs that fat. And instead of putting fat in all this food, a lot of it was processed, they were upping the sugar. So anyway, but we now know that the brain, having a healthy brain is essential to our memory. And it's, it's important, not just our physical body, but our emotional, spiritual, mental body. So I know you work with a lot of clients who, you know, come to you because they have some issues. Yep. And so what are you noticing with people? Well, first of all, I want to say that what you said, first of all, is really important that um, you don't have to get 
dementia and you don't have to get Alzheimer's. I mean, I, I'm looking at the statistics right here. It's like um, only uh, uh, almost 10% of the U.S. adults age 65 and older have dementia, while another 22% have mild cognitive impairment. We think about it as a huger, sorry, that's the official word for it, huger um, amount <laughs> people who get dementia and Alzheimer's. But it's really uh, only 10% that get Alzheimer's or dementia specifically, and um, for, according to what I'm reading here, and uh, 22% in terms of mild cognitive uh, impairment. And so much of it is related to stress. So uh, being able to to look at how we how we create stress, that the stresses in our lives that are part of being in life, and then the circumstances of our life and how we be with those circumstances certainly create that um, level of stress, which really is difficult for our brains to be with. But I also want to acknowledge what you're saying in terms of, well, for the last 30 or 40 years, you know, people have been thinking fat is bad. And, and, um, and now the research is saying, no, we need more fat for our, for our brains to be healthy. And so it's those kinds of things that in a sense, even that is like a on our brains because it goes against what we've been trained to think. What we've been trained to think is that, that um, way of being in the world, you know, it's like, this is what you do. You eat less fat or you eat, you know, or you feel guilty about eating fast kinds of things. And it's very difficult on our brain when we've got what we'll call a cognitive dissonance, right? There's, there's, here's what's true. And then someone else says, nope, this is true. And how our brain can process that is it, what we call it. I call it a dilemma, right? Because yeah. it's like, how do I believe? What do I, how do I train myself to think differently about this? Well, it's interesting because uh, the brain is like our computer, and it just takes the information that we feed it, including all our childhood beliefs, things people told us that we decided were true for us. And it stores those in our brain through pictures. And some of those beliefs may not be serving us well, or we call them um, self-limiting beliefs. Yes. And some of those self-limiting beliefs can create issues in our life and certainly not a thriving mindset if they're things that aren't beneficial for who we are and what we want to create in our life. The brain is so important on so many different levels. And I know that I did a process one time to change a what I call a core belief. And it was underlying the underlying issue that I felt about myself from early on childhood. And so I did a process that was just fascinating. I'm not going to go into the whole process, but there was a part of this process was to create new neural pathways. And that's the key. We want new neural pathways. So in, in order to create these new neural pathways for 30 days, I had or I chose to do something new and different that I've never done before. Mm -hmm. And it was life-changing, I will say, too. And these are, these are things like I started painting. I had never picked up a paintbrush in my life. 
And two years later, I opened an art gallery. So the, the whole process of getting out of just your patterns of doing the same thing, we all have a tendency to do some of the same things every day, but to switch that up or try something new, or it, it could even be something as simple as taking a different route to the grocery store, going down some streets you've never been down, things like that. So I found that very useful. I, it just might be something fun if our listeners want to want to try it, because it certainly is fun. And I think it helped my brain. And I think a lot of, uh, for instance, Joe Dispenza's work, um, but I know there's others that talk about mm-hmm. brain and how it impacts how, in a sense, what we put in our brain and how we we process data influences how we are emotionally and spiritually and physically. Um, and so looking at more information about how that actually works for us is, is really important to go. Yeah. There's a lot of research out there and data and specifics that says, here's, here's what is about our brain and how we process and the, the requirement for creating new neural pathways, because the old ones are connected to stuff that's pretty un- unnecessary. So one of the things that uh, uh, that's become really clear for me is that our database, like our computers, don't even don't have just this lifetime of information, but it has life the data of the whole history of our reality, right? And as children, we read history, we're consumed by it. It's part of our collective unconscious. And that history or the data of the reality that we've existed in is in our in our system. And so much of that clouds or per- creates a perspective that says life sucks or life is scary or nobody's out there or I'm going to be punished or I'm not enough. All of that is part of this data that we has been put into our our database and our in our human minds. Um, unbeknownst to us and partly beknownst to us because we didn't know any different. From my understanding, we're talking about two different things here. We have the mind and then we have the brain. Those are two separate things. The mind has every everything from every lifetime, all realities and everything. The physical brain is more like the computer. When we die, our physical brain turns to dust. Okay. And when that happens, this this lifetime, basically, you know, whatever we haven't resolved that is in our mind, which is everything, we're yes. going to take that into the next life. But okay. the stuff in the brain from this lifetime, because the brain is physical. Think about how that mind, how our brain uh, as the data processor processes the data of the mind in a sense. And and we don't want to get, it doesn't get, we don't want to confuse it, but it's like, we have a computer. I have a computer and I'm looking at you through this computer, but this computer is hooked up to the world wide web, right? And it has mm-hmm. access to all of the information of the world in a sense, mm-hmm. it is connected to the mind, but how it creates and, and processes the data is configured to me personally, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. How I, how I process that the the data of the world the, it, and what it says about me 
um, and how I am in my world based on this lifetime is um, is where we have to 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 look at what you're talking. It's we're talking about 14 things at the same time. What we're saying is that neuro processing thing that we have in our physical mind needs attention. It needs care. It needs nourishment. It needs um, focus. It needs a place to rest in order to be able to process more clearly what's true for and be able to make choices different than what we have been trained to and what it has been trained through its neural process. Yeah. But having a conversation about the mind is somewhat of a different conversation though in in than than having a conversation about having a healthy brain and one of the things that i know i i've interviewed a lot of i consider some of the best experts uh, on the brain one of them is dr dale bredesen who wrote the book the end of alzheimer's and he has been studying Alzheimer's in the brain for years and years, and he actually has a program out there that is not only uh, reversing Alzheimer's and dementia, it's preventing it. And what he has found that it's not just one thing, it's a whole bunch of different things. But one of the big things, which which I talk a lot about is the, the environmental toxins, right. the things that we put in our body and, and, and environmental toxins can also be things like mold and heavy metals and things like that. He thinks, and of course, aluminum, those, those are the, the ones that you, you start with if you want a healthier brain and healing your healing your gut and your healing healing your brain again this is beyond food integrity so there's that part which is to me that's where you need to start there with the brain but beyond that you really it's really important from my point of view to take a look at what beliefs you have that aren't serving you or that stop you from thriving or having what you say you want. Beautiful. And when you stop and examine where those beliefs may have come from and get to the core of it, that's when you can let that go and let that belief go. And your life can change just through that process. I'm sure you see that all the time, Rosie. Yep. And I I also... You know, with with every single one of my clients, there's this this what I call a conflicting commitment. In a sense, most of us are are committed. I don't know anybody, and you probably don't know anyone that would say, "Yeah, no, I don't want to thrive. Don't want to thrive." No, everybody wants to thrive, and and people can say, "I'm really committed to that. I'm I'm committed to thriving and having a great life." And then when we look at what they do or say, "So what are you doing?" They're doing a lot of things that are not in alignment with that particular commitment. So there's a conflicting commitment. And that conflicting commitment is to that old stuff or the data that's in our processing system that's just there that um, is matter of fact, or we were trained, or it's in our cellular memory, or, you know, I always thought that my mother said it was that way. So I just assumed it was that way. Or as a client of mine said, 
yeah, I'm unconscious about so much of my life that I I don't have, I can't make choices in, in my, in my best interest, because I'm still, there's so much I don't, I don't know in my unconsciousness. So there's a, a conflicting commitment or an underlying commitment to something other than thriving. And so every single one of us are in this dilemma. You hear me talk about dilemmas a lot because we're in a dilemma of, do I choose thriving, which may disconnect me from all the old thinking and old pe- the people in my life or the way that I've been being my life. And that's scary for people to go, I want this thriving, but I'm afraid I'm going to lose and then fill in the blank. Right. Or I don't know. A lot of people go, I don't know how to live in thriving. I've never even come close to that. So how am I supposed to know how to do that? That's another. So I'm going to stay with the old paradigm, the old commitments, because I'm afraid I don't know how to do that. And they just get like, ah, ah right. So yeah. that's what I see more often is people want change. Or they want, I'll say they want transformation. They just don't want to change because they, they, over and over, they'll say, I don't know how to do me in that new paradigm. I don't know how to do thriving. And so they're caught in the middle and they basically, we, most of us sit on the fence in that way. Nothing changes when you're comfortable. That's right. Because change, somebody tells me they really like change. That's very unusual. Yes. Uh, Because we're so used to doing things the way we're used to doing them, that when we really make a change in our life, yes, it can be something wonderful. But like what you were saying is, oh, my gosh, what do I do with something wonderful? I'm, I'm so used to having my life be a certain way. And then it's this way. And I find that some people then have a tendency to go back to the old because it's more comfortable. It's what they know. That's right. And even people who like change, uh, I have a client who was very busy doing a lot of different things. She can't stop. In a sense, there's an addictive thing to the, the, the change would be to not change for, for five minutes in a sense. Yeah. It would become too uncomfortable to sit and be quiet. It's too hard. And because the change is her normal. So it's that balance between here's what I'm doing, but this is, you know, here's what I'm doing. I'm changing all kinds of things all the time. Well, that becomes a strategy for staying in our comfort zone. It's a a form of strategy, survival mechanism or strategy for staying in our comfort zone. I can avoid and ignore difficult and uncomfortable feelings and emotions if I stay busy. But if I start taking time to, or making time to be quiet, it's like, wow, it's the the restless, irritable stuff starts to come up. And then we got to go get busy or we got to go do what our normal comfort zone place is so that we can avoid that. So these are mental processes that you're talking about. And they're so automatic and in order to get moved towards thriving, we really have to start to train ourselves to say, oh, look, look what I'm doing right now. Look, oh, look, oh, I've been noticing, wow, what I just did was from fear and it's like, oh my God, and scary stuff and shutting down and binging on ice cream or Netflix or something. Yeah. So wherever we get our comfort. 
Yeah, and something else I was thinking about when you were talking about your your um, client that loves change, you have to take a look at the intent for that. That's, that's so right. that's exactly what you were talking about. It was the intent. I believe we all have a higher mind and higher source, God source, whatever, you know, whatever words you want to call it. And I know that in order to access that higher source, that I need to be in a calm state. Hence, meditation, walking on the beach, walking in nature, just being quiet, sitting next to a tree, not being busy, busy. And when I get quiet and calm, that's when I feel I get the best information. And that's just for me. How about you, Rosie? I think that's true for me too. Um, and it's taken me, you know, uh, years to cultivate that quality and the capacity to be in that state of quiet or calm. Sometimes when my light, when I don't make time for it in my day, uh, I will be up at night. I will be awake at night and, and my my perspective on that is it's the whole world is quiet and that's the time for me to be awake to myself um because you know does that make sense that in a sense we're we're being we've we're creating this time in the middle of the night just by oh why am i awake oh you know i should be sleeping that kind of stuff but it's like oh this is a time for me to be uh with myself because everybody else is sleeping uh, and I can watch my thoughts. I can watch myself be upset or worried or guilty or, you know, afraid or panicky. I can watch myself and go, wow, what are you doing? It's the middle of the night. Nothing's happening. Like, why are you creating this reality? And so I, you, you, it's almost like a form of meditation to go, wow, look at yourself, create all this stuff and you're making it all up. Yeah. Making it all up in the middle of the night. We're making it at any time. And that's yeah. the, 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 for me, the gift of meditation is, um, is we can see what we're making up. Yeah, exactly. Another way we can create new neural pathways is by learning something new. And yeah. it just, it reacts when your brain learns something new, that's a positive thing for the brain. So I, I, I'm constantly curious about things and, uh, I'm fortunate enough to get to do the work I do, yes. and I'm constantly learning new things about nutrition and about myself and all of that. So that is that is one of the ways that I create new neural pathways. Another great way, there's been a lot of studies on this, is singing and dancing. That helps create new neural pathways. So sometimes I just get up and put on Donna Summers and dance <laughs> and just all by myself. And, or if you're having a, if you're having a down day, you might want to just try that where you're, you're just feeling kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of low motivation. And, and that's okay. If you're, if you're having that, but sometimes I need a little motivation and I just move my body like that. And you know I create some new neural pathways and, drink a couple glasses of water and it can change things. 
So we have a lot of resources is, yeah. is my point. And if, if you're interested, that book, The End of Alzheimer's has, it's just a whole like workbook on how to have a healthy brain. And I think it's, I think it's fascinating stuff. So one thing, one, another thing I want to mention that, that is really important for me is to, is um, to take, we'll call it a nap. It's really important to take a nap for me in a sense what that allows me to do is to reboot my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest and restoration and reparation. I think that's how, what it's called. It's when we, when we have this downtime in resting and especially in sleeping is it gives our bodies time to restore and um, and repair itself. And so in the middle of the day, um, given my work and the, the level of mental work I do, I need to, to lay down and I need to quiet my brain. Some people can do it through meditation or going for a walk. I do those things, but I need to quiet myself to the point of sleep. And I call that a reboot for, of mm-hmm. my my computer like turning my computer off and you know a lot of people will say they can't do that because of their time or whatever but there is a way of doing that for yourself and you you can in a sense even just like you said going outside or just sitting quietly for a few minutes um (laughs) i think my mom we've talked about who's had a lot of kids is like sometimes just closing the door on the bathroom you know and you just have those few minutes in the bathroom it's like oh that's a moment of peace where there's a reboot so yeah. I think really important element of, of, of our, um, of our day to day. And, and most of us don't take the time to reboot, whether it's through meditation or sitting in nature or walking in nature or listening to music, which is also really good as well as singing or, or dancing, moving our bodies. Yeah. I'm not a napper and uh, I, I just, I never have that. But I, I don't nap, but I do need to take breaks often. I, I, I do a lot of work on the computer. And uh, I some of the things that I do for my brain is I, I'll walk outside and I live in nature, much like you, Rosie. And I'll do some balanced breathing, taking the same amount of uh, breath in as out for a couple of minutes. And then I will like grab some essential oil, maybe something that I love like jasmine or something. And I breathe in that essential oil. And if there's flowers, I would smell flowers out here too. But um, anyway, I just think taking those little breaks can really, really help your brain. Learning new things. Yep. Learning new things. It's essential. It keeps us sharp. That's I think that's why so many people do crossword puzzles and, and th- th- those aren't my my deal, but I, I see the value in it. You know, yep. anything that we we can do to strengthen and make our brain more powerful so that we we don't get that cognitive decline. And, you know, especially as women, Rosie, because Alzheimer's is is 30 percent higher in women than it is in men. And so it's just it's just something to be aware of. And, and we don't have to get it. Yeah. And I think, again, coming back to uh, I always listened for the yes, but what ifs and if onlys in a sense. People go, yeah, I want to do that. Oh, oh, that sounds great. 
Um, I want that thriving. I don't want to get Alzheimer's. And then there's the uh, yes, or I want to start something new, but, and then the, the, but the yes, but kind of comes in um, the yes, but of like, I don't know what to do, or I don't know how I going to do that. So, so I, I paint, I knit, I write. There's a lot of things I do. I keep, I have little aquariums and, and I can fail at all of them in a sense. It's one of those things that I face every time I start a project or a, a new anything is that fear of failure. And this comes up a lot when people are like, I want to be creative, but I, I really suck at, and then they just fill in the blank with what they suck at. So there isn't even room. Like I want to do that, but there's not even a second before they go into the, you know, the yes, but of, of what's going to stop them from trying something new. And I think that's a, it's, I always want to bring that up because I want us to, and our, our audience is to go, yeah, that's me. I do that. Yes. But thing. Um, I, um, I want to paint. I, I mean, personally, I, I want to start a new painting and I want to start a new book, but there's a sense of what if I fail again, or what if it, that, that element of failure that we don't want to meet in ourselves stops so many of us. But when we go, okay, what's the higher priority? What's really important to me? And am I willing to put a, 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 a mark on my paper just as a start to go, yep, I just did that as a way of starting my, my practice of creativity, of, of, of art, uh, art, you know, we have all these interpretations. That's part of our brain. Those neural pathways that connect us to these interpretations and those interpretations, generally speaking, are negative in nature and stop us from thriving. So right. we, part of what we're doing is you and I are bringing up and sort of bringing clarity to these elements and these aspects of being human that stop us from thriving. Yeah. And so going here, yeah, here's a great idea. I'm going to sing. And it's like, oh my God, I can't stand the sound of my voice. That just, you know, now I've stopped myself because I've just made an interpretation about my voice. So when we're able to go, okay, I can see that I'm more committed to my, my, my underlying commitment. I'm more committed to staying safe and not feeling that failure or yuckiness in my body when I'm doing something that challenges my comfort zone, then I'm not going to do it. Well, uh, one of the things that I notice when I'm going to try something new and I notice, you know, maybe part of me, I don't know if it's a fear of failure for me so much or, you know, maybe, maybe, but what, what I do is I recognize first that it's there right? and that it's just a belief. And I, so I, I have this little thing that I do where I say, okay, I'm going to take that belief and I'm going to put it on the shelf and I'm going to do it anyway. Yep. But I'm not, I'm not saying I'm getting rid of that belief totally. It's right there. If I can, if I can pick it, I can pick it up anytime. But right. for today, I'm not going to allow that belief to interfere with something I want to do. And for me, that really works. That's terrific. And that's changing your neural pathway. That's how you're doing it. You're saying yeah. I ca I counter my belief and I, and in that process I did, that belief change process, that was another one of the processes. When your belief comes up, that you counter it. You just do the opposite. 
And but you don't do it in such a way that it's too scary because, oh, my God, am I getting rid of this whole belief? No, I'm just going to set it over here. So that's just another thing that has worked for me. So maybe our listeners, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, yeah, but like you said, but that that might just be a tool to play with. And and I use that word play because it's about having fun. In almost everything we do. It's yeah. not a have to, not a should. Have fun, because you really don't have to do anything. Yeah. Sure. I, I want to mention that what, what you're saying reminds me of a book. I, I've written a lot of books. They're, they're like plants out you know, in my house, like house plants. I've written 14 or 15 books right now, and I forget they're there in a sense. But the one that, that you were reminding me of, I wrote a book called You Know You're Transforming When, dot, dot, dot. And it's 101 ways that you are actually transforming, but we don't even know it. And so I think another element of this, Carol, is is to um, is to look at we're always transforming. Every single one of us is growing and thriving in certain areas of our life where we're, there's a part of us that is always expanding, even though there might be another part that feels really uh, fearful and wants to contract and constrict. So uh, for me, a really good thing to do is to acknowledge where I am growing, where I am making changes, where I have made a change. So it might be one thing. I have a, a pile of wood outside that's sort of in the way, whatever that means. And so little by little, I'm going out there and I'm throwing out the stuff that's rotten and moving it other pile to. But it's just like little by little. I don't have to do everything. Or And I don't have to get this right and I don't have to get it perfect. I just, in this moment, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this one little thing and and acknowledge, wow, I did that. That's different than much like I was doing with the changing neural pathways. It's different than my normal ignoring or avoiding or distracting myself from So just put that out there that we are all transforming and we're all, if we give ourselves the attention and acknowledge where we are doing really well, where we are thriving, where we're giving ourselves the gifts of wellness and and health and vitality. That's really, that's a major neural pathway um, creator is um, noticing and acknowledging ourselves for positive changes, regardless of how small they are. It's an enormous, delightful way to create new neural pathways. Yeah. Acknowledging positivity. And it's not egotistical to say nice things about yourself. No, no. We talked about that in a previous show. It is not. Well, this has been great. And I I just think having a healthy brain is important to have a thriving mindset. So in, in closing, Rosie, I think it's important to think about you know, a few things to think about in order to have a healthy brain so you can have that thriving mindset are make sure you're getting good quality sleep, hydrate, eat those healthy fats, eat organic as much as possible because those chemicals interfere and have fun. Yeah, great. Have fun. Those are my five right there. Those are your five. My five are... um make a list every day, if you will, or just begin to notice 
positive things about yourself. Acknowledge yourself when you're doing something well, as opposed to going, yes, I'm doing this well, but I do that bad. It's like, just stay with, yes, I'm doing this well, period. And and take a breath and see if you can be with that. Um, and like you, it's like, eat, eat well, take some time, create a quiet space within your mind. That's a hard, difficult challenge, but it's really, really important because it means you're becoming more in control of your thoughts and your thought patterns and your brain functioning and notice the stress and how you can perhaps um, uh, just be more aware of where you feel stressed and where you feel less stressed and uh, perhaps make better, make choices in terms of becoming less stressed. Great. Those are all, those are all great things to help facilitate having that healthy brain. So thank you, Rosie. And have all the fun you're willing to have. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I like that part a lot. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I've been having a lot of fun lately. So that's cool. Anyway, well, thank you to our listeners. And we hope you enjoyed this discussion. We always enjoy getting together. We have a lot of fun when we do this. And we look forward to our next discussion. And if you have anything you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Leave a comment, email either of us, rosie at theparadigmshifts.com and carol at foodintegritynow.org. And we'll be back on again soon. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks.